Okay. At this time, we're going to have our sermon brought to us by Mr. Steve Andrews, titled, Jesus Said Unto Them, I Am the Bread of Life. Well, greetings on this wonderful, beautiful some of the bread. I think all of us in this room, and I hope uh, yes, I think, especially in this room, we all understand that even though this might be the last sermon, a seven fifty four tonight, days of unleavened bread will be over. We won't have to um, worry about walking down the aisles in the grocery store or looking at stuff over there and buy it and eat it. And we won't have to, to worry about it. I think all of us understand, though, that the plan of salvation that God has set forth is not going to be over with until God has completed his plan and all of mankind heard story. The salvation story year after year starts, of course, with the ends last great day. And it's a plan of salvation that is so wonderfully all over the helps us to understand that God loves his wants as many in his family, as will come, worship him, believe in him. One of the most interesting chapters, I think, during this time of the year is John, the sixth chapter. There is so much revealed in this. And I don't know if I've got enough time to bring it all today, but I want, I want to go back. I'm going to read this first verse that I've got up here. Just as an introduction, because I want you to know that already planned out because of chances. He had that spirit that was powerful enough to gauge what was going on, able to plan things. And what we have in the on the six, some of the most interesting stuff in there. Let me read this real quickly. Um, then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread. Well, we're going to go back and we're going to look a little bit more detail here in a minute. Always. And then Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, hunger and he who believes in me shall never Now, I know the word we're going to see and, and what I'm going to bring out today are some that I kind of know there's some, there is a physical component and there's a spiritual component chapter. There's a visible component, invisible component. 
believe it or not, I think after preaching Jesus' miracles, there was still unbelief. Preaching. So let's go. I think Jesus setting the scenario up so that he could preach the message. Come down to us, so profound. And every year we read it, we think about it, we meditate on it. What what he was bringing, what he brings to us, what he brought to them, most part, they did not believe. It was a very large component of unbelief. In, in John 6 and verse 1, after these things Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea is the sea of Tiberias. And the great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Knowing. But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered and said, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that they, <coughs> every one of them may have a little. No matter how much money, not be enough. One of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But were there among you so, so many? And then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down, in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves um, when he had given thanks. He distributed them in the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So, even though there may have been 5,000 men, obviously there must have been at least one young man and probably more and more families were there. So we're not sure how many he actually fed. It was how little amount at all amount had them to eat. Jesus asked, and <clears throat> so when they fi uh, were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments of five barley loaves which were lo left over by those that, who had eaten. And those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, say, this truly is prophet who is come into the world. What a miracle. And so all these people were fed. Everything taken care of. See why this was so important. Why do you think this was set up so that Jesus could explain something so profound? Well, we know the next few verses he walks on the water and they go in the boat. But then in verse 22, I want to go drop into verse 22. 
On the following day, when the people were standing on the other side of the sea, saw that there was no other boat there, except that one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had now not entered the boat with his disciples, disciples had gone uh, away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves our physical bodies are. Jesus is telling that spiritual component needs to be also filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal upon him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the God? We've read this. Jesus said to him, This is the work of God, that you believe in him. So this is extremely important, that we believe on Jesus Christ. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate manna in the desert. And it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. So let's go over. And, and let's, let's look at some of these um, things in the, in the Old Testament here. In, um, let's go to Leviticus 23. Let's take a break here just a how important is this day? It's been written down for a very long time. God gave these commandments for us to do. To do. These are the feasts of the Lord. It's like at the beginning, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim, to be holy convocations. I am proclaiming the feast of the Lord, not the feast of Christmas, or Barbara's Grace, and none of those are our feasts. These are the feasts of the Lord. They are so important that he gave them for us to keep. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. Solemn rest, holy convocation, shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord, dwellings. These are the feasts of the Lord, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim in their appointed times. On the 14th of the first month, working day of the first month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. On that first day you shall have a holy convocation. You'll do no customary work on it. You shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord for seven days. 
seventh day shall be a holy convocation. There'll be no customary work on it. Seven days unleavened bread. Who is the most unleavened to walk this? What is the most perfect number that God's chosen? Seven. So when you put that all together and you think about it, it is putting Christ in you seven days. Is loving bread. The way that I look at it is that God has, has told us that he is perfect in that way. We know in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, they're real quick. Oh, there. We know that the Corinthians had some problems. Very difficult. Paul had already made a decision because of their, their sins. And in verse um, 1 Corinthians 5 and, and in verse 4, he says, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together uh, uh, along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Do you know that a little leaven leavens all the whole Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lamp, New lamp, since you truly are unleavened, for indeed Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast not with the old leaven, not with the leaven of malice and. Here's the contrast comes up in the scriptures, not with that wickedness, not with the sinfulness, not with that leaven that our life um, and can be very detrimental in, in every way to our. Uh, our very being, allowing sin into our life, because that's what this is talking about, lawlessness, wickedness. This is what that first world was destroyed for, wickedness. In the contrast, the unleavened, become unleavened in sincerity and you have to be sincere with your own self. And with God, knowing that you are fleshly being subject to sin. You need to understand that. And how do you understand that? The scriptures tell you how to understand. Study the scriptures. What you're what God says, this is the way you're supposed to you, you live. It is important. Take this in. Forget, become unleavened. Put out that wickedness and the sinfulness. And bring in that unleavened bread, that unleavened of your life. It's a, it's a lifetime process. We all know that. We all know that it, overcoming and working on ourselves is a lifetime process. Sometimes we don't make it. Way we would like to make. We fail. We we make mistakes. We do things that not, that we know that we shouldn't do. We go back. We go back to the plan of God. We go back and we think about what Jesus says. 
And we try to bring that back into our life. Try to live that. Bring that back into it. Back to the book of John, chapter 6. I think all of us understand how Now, Jesus knew that he was really trying to bring all of this out, trying to, to help them to understand how it works. So he says, back in, now let's pick it back up here in, in verse 28. Then they said to him, what shall we do then? Well, let's see, I've already read that. Let's pick it up here in verse 20, uh, 33. For the bread of God is, is he who comes down from heaven and gives uh, life to the world. Then they said unto him, Lord, give us this bread. Always. For he says, Jesus said unto him, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes on me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and not believed. All that the Father gives me, come to me. The one who comes to me, I will be by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all that he has given me, I should lose none, but should rise up, um, raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. The promises from Christ are eternal life. Contrast here, isn't there? When the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt, I think God saw all these miracles that he brought up, Powerful miracle. God destroyed Egypt with the with uh, the plagues that He brought upon them, and then He with on angels they walked out. Of course, Pharaoh says, "Now that they're gone, I want to go get them again." God took care of Pharaoh. Maybe not Yul Brenner, but Pharaoh. The real Pharaoh, not survive. But what did the children of Israel do? The first thing that they when they got there, they said, Oh, I wish we were back. I want to go back. I want to go back to my bondage. I want to go back to my slavery. I want to go back because there was things to eat there. The belly was talking even though they had escaped the bondage. In Exodus, the 16th chapter, for 40 years, God took care of them. 40 years. In Exodus 16, beginning in, in, in verse 3, and the children of Israel said unto them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, 
when we sat by the pots of the meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out of this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. All those miracles, the first thing they do, we're much times um, when we get into a trial or situation that maybe we don't worry a little bit. This was a powerful thing God had done for them. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, now I will rain bread from heaven for, for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my way, my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in and shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, At the evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for, his, uh, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. But what are you, what are we, that you complain against him? Also Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and in the morning bread to be full, for the Lord hears your complaints, which you uh, make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses spoke to Aaron, saying, To all the congregation of the children of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. Now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it was that quail came out of the evening and covered the camp in the morning. The dew lay all around in the camp. It's amazing. This is a miracle. Bringing quail for that many people from all over, God just gathered them in and just had them fly in so that the children of Israel would have meat to eat. Sometimes when we read these, think about how God has intervened in our lives, how he has taken time to look down upon us and maybe a trial or something that's happened in our life. And we should be thankful especially thankful for the calling that we have, thankful for what he's teaching us. And also we should really understand all of what the scriptures have to say because I think one of these days we're going to be teaching this in the kingdom of God. Maybe when the Israel, maybe we'll get a chance to talk to some of the Israelites and find out, okay, you did what? All these powerful miracles, why were you griping? Why were you complaining? What was the situation? Uh, well, we were pretty physical back then. Even though we saw the miracles, we only thought of our bellies or our thirst or whatever it was. We weren't concerned about the power and the glory of God that was all around us. He says, uh, 
It says, after the layer of dew lifted, there was on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? What's it? It's a what's it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. Forty years. Every day. And twice on the sixth day. Every day they went and they gathered. It was a powerful miracle. Every day. And those same people, what? Did not believe. We'll have some talking about that a little later in the message, but that's exactly what happened. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to his each one's need. One omer for each person, according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. And then the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. So when they measured it in omers, he who gathered much had nothing left, and he who gathered less, little, had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until the morning, and it, it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need, and when the sun became hot, it melted. And so it was um, in the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. And, the, uh, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses, and he said to them, This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will, bake uh, today, and boil what you will, will boil, and lay up for yourselves all the remains to be kept until the morning. So they laid it up until the morning, as Moses commanded, and did not stink, nor were there uh, worms in it. How many of us... And I don't know, we probably would have been just like the Israelites, um, not having the Spirit, being, you know, led, but these were powerful miracles. I mean, unbelievably powerful miracles. Here you've got this bread that you go and grab, and you, you, you pull it up, and you take it in, and you can boil it, and you can bake it, you can do whatever you want to with it, but if you leave it over, it stinks. But on the sixth day, you can get two batches of it, and it doesn't. What kind of miracles is this? Every day, day in and day out, and on the sixth day, they get two portions of it from the Sabbath. And they wander through the wilderness, and not only do they complain a lot, this is happening constantly. In so when we come before God and we think about the things that he has provided, and especially in the understanding of his word, especially in the spirit that he's given to us. I hope we're, we're thankful and don't complain, but being thankful for the things that he's given us. One of the other things that comes about in this is that um, Moses was also able to give them water. He had a rod. God 
provided a miracle. Anywhere where they where there was no water, get it right, like the rock, out would come that water. They would have streams of water, fresh, pure water. But they would also gripe about that. Every time that God created a miracle, they would gripe and fuss and complain. Brethren, it's, it's, it's for our admonition that we understand these things. Because of their, uh, you know, he's given it for, for us as an example. Not complain. Be thankful for the things that we have. To be grateful for what he's given us. Let's go back to John now. I think I've getting, gotten enough of there on that one. Let's go back to John, sixth chapter. See, I um, brought that back up to this one. Um, actually, I think I'm going to run to Hebrews, the third chapter. Brian, let's, let's jump over to Hebrews, the third chapter. It would fit in very uh, better right here. And then I'll come back. And we'll reread 35 through 40, and then we'll go on through the rest of that. In the book of Hebrews, there's a kind of a retelling and, and a better understanding of how God felt about what, what, was, what happened. And why he was very angry with them. Um, he says in verse 1 of chapter, uh, Hebrews, the third chapter, and Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him, who appointed him as Moses, who also was faithful in his, all his house. For this one has been... Um, counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built for someone, but he who has built all things is God. Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which should be spoken of afterward. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. We are house. God is building, working with, teaching us, helping us, instructing us. Every holy day is important. Every Sabbath is important. All of your Bible studies, all the prayers are very important as you get, as we are taught by God. Jesus Christ and God the Father dwelling in us as we are that holy temple. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the, in the rebellion, in the day of trial, in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, tried me, saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation. 
and said, they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Forty years. You know, I ain't been in this way for 50 plus, and some of in this room have been in this way a lot longer. And I've seen the benefit that God has given us and the longevity of being, teaching, and learning his way. And I'm thankful to God for that. I hope you are too thankful that he's opened your hearts and your minds to his word and his truth. Well, there's a great warning in this, in this book, in this Hebrews. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And that's what it was about, unbelief. Believing and unbelieving. But exhort one another daily while it's called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Like I was saying, you walk down the aisles and you, you realize how much has leavening in it, in the days of unleavened bread. And you reflect on that and you think, how much sin is in the world that we are faced with on a daily basis that we have to try to overcome? Some of us very much out in the open, very... <laughs> Um, when, when I was growing up, some of the things that are said today were not allowed to be said. Some of the things that are being done today were not allowed to be done. In fact, some of the things that were done, uh, being done today, they would either be in a mental institution or they would be in jail. So we see a change as we walk this. So God is saying, God is saying in this Exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. It's out there. Sinfulness, deceitfulness of sin. It can look very pretty, but it can be very evil. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it's said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who had sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter into his rest, but that those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. One of the greatest sins that we could, especially those of us who have received God's Holy Spirit, is to believe that God has not given us that Spirit. Remember it says, you shall receive the Spirit of God. Baptized. Repent. Baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive. So to be, say, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know. You must believe 
not have a um, heart of unbelief. Believe that God has given to you. If you've gone through the process of baptism and laying on of hands and all of that, believe that God has given you that spirit. You have that power within you. Jesus Christ, the Father, dwell in you. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering into his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter into the rest, as he had said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has spoken in the certain place in the seventh day of this. And God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter in, and those that whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying, In David, today, after such a long time as it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua, not Jesus, but Joshua, had given them rest, they went into the promised land, he would not have afterwards have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered into his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. That rest is the kingdom of God. That rest is eternal life. That rest is in Jesus Christ. And the hope that he gives of eternal life. Back to John, the sixth chapter again. I got a little ahead of myself, but I want to reread part of this. <clears throat> now that we've gone through Hebrews, I want to go back to... to um, to verse 35, where I <clears throat> and I want to re-emphasize the things that Jesus said here before we go on to, to the rest of what he says. I want to re-emphasize this. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Believing is so important, what Jesus says. Remember what it said. They had a heart of unbelief. When Jesus says these things, he wants us to believe that when we come to him and we partake of the things that are set, us, set out, that we understand through his holy days and through this truth that we've been given, we believe till we come into the kingdom. We live this life. He said, <clears throat> But I said unto you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from the heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all 
who has given me, I should lose nothing, but should uh, raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. See how important belief is in Jesus' message and is in the truth of his coming on this earth and the things that we do that honor Christ, especially the Passover. Every year when we come and we come before him and we take those emblems that he has taught us to take, how important it is. We're going to read about that again here. And some did not believe. But I don't want us to be congregation that does not believe. I want us to believe the things that Jesus has said. Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And he said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, do not murmur among yourselves. What do we find in the Israelites and the Jews? They always are complaining and murmuring about something. And so even when Jesus was explaining this and the power of the miracles that he just got through doing, the diseases that he just got through healing, the 5,000 plus that he just got through feeding, they did not believe. And they were murmuring. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up in the last day. It is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. But that anyone has seen the Father except, um, not everyone, uh, anyone that has seen the Father except he who is from the God, he has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, in me, he has everlasting life. In me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Again, Jesus says, he is that bread that comes daily, every day, day in and day out, and especially on the Sabbath. Do we take in a double portion of Jesus and the, the word on the Sabbath and think about it and meditate a little bit? And we pick it up and meditate on what he is doing in our life? I hope so. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ was the greatest sacrifice of all time. And he was predicting his death. And he was alive, but he was predicting his death. The Jews, therefore, quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give his flesh to eat? And then Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Wow, that must have really hit them hard. 
Remember what it says in the, in the scriptures. Um, it was totally and completely illegal um, <laughs> to do that. There, they weren't even supposed to eat the blood of, even of animals, no less of a human being. They were supposed to bleed an animal dry before they, um, before they slaughtered them, you know, before they cut them up and, uh, for, for food. So the animal was supposed to have been bled. And they understood that, and the blood was supposed to be poured out on the ground, and they were not supposed to have it, and, they were, and it was illegal for them. And when Jesus said that, I'm sure that they thought, oh, I'm not sure about this. And what he's saying. So he says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last days. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. You know, they, had, they would have had to wait a little while, wouldn't they, to find out exactly what Jesus was saying. And I'm, I'm sure that even the disciples probably were wondering a little bit. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. And that was the accusation that God had for all of those that wandered in the wilderness. They saw all the miracles. They saw all the things that happened, and they did not believe. They had a heart of unbelief, even though they were powerful miracles. In every way, they were powerful miracles. We used to have a glory thing on the wall. Can you imagine seeing that? Seeing the, um, the wall of fire at night and the, the cloud during the day to keep you cool from the sun for 40 years, wandering in the wilderness. It's amazing. But we could do the same thing. We could turn our back on God. We could turn our back on Christ. We could turn our back on this sacrifice and not believe in it anymore. But I'm hoping in here we're not going to do that. I'm hoping we're going to be committed for a lifetime, whatever that is. If it's Christ comes back today, uh, praise the Lord, I'd be glad to have him come back today. <laughs> Some things in this world I don't want to see any more of. I want him to come back. But if it takes a long time, I'm going to live until, you know, I'm, I'm put in, six foot under. And I hope, and then... I believe in the resurrection. I believe in what God is teaching. He will resurrect us. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And I'm sure it was. When Jesus knew himself and himself, his disciples complained about this. He said to them, does this offend you? I'm not sure whether they said that tongue-in-cheek, but I ain't. What then, if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. Whenever you read God's Word, because that's what this is, 
and you inculcate it into your life, and you try to live by it, it's spirit, and it's life, and it's strengthening. Sometimes trials come on our life, and we're not able to, you know, seemingly get through them. But if we go to God and we ask him to help us through it, to give us that strength that we need, he will. The spirit, I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. He says, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray them. Can you imagine? You have any Judas Iscariot walking with him all those years, a few years that he was on this earth, but did not believe and was willing to sell 30 pieces of silver? Sell Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver because he allowed Satan to enter into him to destroy Jesus. Of course, he didn't. We know that. Resurrection happened. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He says in verse 69, he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless... It has been granted to him by my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? Hmm. He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. It is our life. It is the bread of our life, Jesus Christ. It is the water of our life, Jesus Christ. This is uh, the beginning, essentially, of the plan of God. Next is Pentecost. We're looking forward to it. We're counting. But remember, all the way through, every day, Jesus is there for each and every one of us. Take him in seven days a week. Twice Sabbath. 